Many organizations struggle when it comes to communicating and realizing their business strategies. Many workers don't even understand the strategies in their own company. Welcome to the North Star with William Ulrich. Find out where your organization stands, what you might be doing right, and where you can improve. Now, here's your host, William Ulrich. Welcome to the show. I'm your host, William Ulrich. You're listening to the North Star. Feel free to contact me by email, LinkedIn, or at my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Today, we'll be discussing industry standards, why your organization should care with my guests, Steve Nunn and Dr. Richard Soley. You can find reference material related to the show on the North Star Radio Show page of my website. Steve Nunn is president and CEO of The Open Group, a global consortium that enables the achievement of business objectives through technology standards. The Open Group produces certifications, standards, frameworks, reference architectures, tools, models, and guides for enterprise architects across vertical sectors. Steve joined The Open Group in 1993, spending much of his time as chief operating officer and as general counsel. Steve is also president of the Association of Enterprise Architects, Originally from the UK, Steve is based in the US. You can contact Steve via email at s.nun, that's s.nunn, at opengroup.org or at the Open Group's website, opengroup.com. Dr. Richard Mark Soley is chairman and CEO of Object Management Group, or the OMG, executive director of the Cloud Standards Customer Council. Executive Director of the Industrial Internet Consortium and Executive Director of the Digital Twin Consortium. He serves on numerous industrial, technical, and academic conference program committees. He's a frequent speaker on issues related to standards and new technology adoption. Richard was involved in the creation of the ELIPS Foundation and Open Health Tools. He is visiting or adjunct professor at a number of universities worldwide. You can contact Richard via email at solely, that's S-O-L-E-Y, at omg.org or at OMG's website, omg.org. Welcome to the show, gentlemen. Thank you, Bill. Glad to be here. Is there anything, <laughs> is there anything I missed uh, on the intro, uh, Steve or Richard? Nope. I think you did a great job, Bill. Okay. <laughs> All right, so let's let's get a little background. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Can you just give us a brief overview of the Open Group? Yeah, sure, Bill. It's uh, I mean, much like you said in the intro, the the Open Group is a global consortium of organizations, um, more than eight hundred and fifty of them nowadays, who come to us to work through our uh, through our auspices and our, our processes and procedures to basically achieve business objectives through technology standards. So it always starts with the business objective is a theme you'll, you'll hear me talk about as we go on today. And it's a, it's a membership of, of customers, um, systems and solutions, um, suppliers, tools, vendors, integrators, academics, government agencies, uh, and researchers. So it's a, it's a pretty diverse group. Um, and we've been, uh, we just celebrated our 25th anniversary as the Open Group um, last week. Oh, congrats. Uh, Richard, how about a, uh, an overview of the Object Management Group? I should say OMG didn't mean anything when we named it in 1999. <laughs> I probably need something to teenage girls now. OMG. But, yeah. <laughs> we're starting out 32 years ago as a standards organization, very much like the Open Group. Today, the OMG is a consortium of consortia combining the open, combining the object management group with the standards development organization, with the digital twin, digital twin consortium, the internet, uh, what used to be called the, the, the industry, industrial internet consortium is now called the internet, the industry IoT consortium, digital twin consortium, the Consortium for IT Information and Social Quality in the BDM Los South. So it's very similar to the Open Group, uh, similar age. Ah, great. Uh, so I want to start out with a few basics. So can you um, both give us uh, a little background on what we mean when we talk about standards as a formal concept? Sure. Should I have a go, Richard? Um, uh, I mean, I think uh, there, there are different types of standards. There's, there's formal standards, there's industry standards kind of done through consortia such as, such as ours. But essentially, it's, 
um, it, it, a standard is a, a typically a, a collaboration between those who put it together, which ideally might be customers and suppliers, but um, either within a specific industry or more generally, um, to agree a, a, a standard approach, you know, no magic in the word, a standard approach, methods, maybe tools that can improve things in their business. Um, and generally, standards promote innovation and value creation and save resources, improve efficiencies by, you know, having common ways of doing things. And uh, maybe we'll get into to, uh, some examples later on, but uh, at, at, a, at a high level, that, that's basically it. You know, something that, that's done that enables greater efficiency, uh, greater commonality, um, and uh, allows us to do things um, that, that uh, we take for granted sometimes. Uh, Richard? That's a good description. That's a great description, Steve. Thank you very much. <laughs> but it, it ignores the fact that ITU considers centers only centers that are created by government-recognized centers organizations. Centers organizations such as yours and such as mine develop centers specifications much faster than ITU or ANSI or any of the government-recognized centers organizations. That's why we exist. Now, it's a, it's a great point. The, 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 the formal standards world tends to have a reputation for uh, taking longer, let's say. A well-earned reputation. <laughs> to the point where Fortran 9X, the value of X for Fortran 9X is 12. Right. <laughs> How about some uh, uh, types of standards or examples of kinds of standards you might be producing from uh, your two groups? The best-known standards from OMG are the UML specification and the Corbett specification. Corbett came out in the 1990s, has been around for a long time, but it's still zero used and still very active in the standards world. The UML standard has been uh, adopted, was adopted in 1995, and is going strong from strength to strength in certification as well. Richard, Corbett's uh, uh, important to everybody. They should understand this. I mean, it, it's, it's running in um, uh, all kinds of devices out there, right? Last time we looked, there were 5 billion uses of Corbett worldwide. It includes every use of Java, which uses Corbett for distribution, for example. So 5 billion, billion with a B. That's a hell of a lot. It, it absolutely is. <laughs> Steve, how about yourself? Well, I think uh, if we if we pick on the the, the best known ones, the, um, the the best known standard from the Open Group right now is is TOGAF, which is an enterprise architecture uh, framework um, applicable to to all industries, kind of a, a general standard in that sense. Um, we started by really bringing together the single Unix specification, so the different flavors of Unix that were there um, back in the in the eighties, and transforming what what it meant to be Unix from a derivative of a certain um, code base to to actually meeting a standard, or in that case, it was 1170 different specifications that that, that had to be met. So they're kind of our, our our best known ones. I think I'd I'd comment that that nowadays we're increasingly seeing businesses using standards or seeing standards as helpful and essential tools for their, in this typically digital transformations that they're going through. So a lot of what we're seeing specifications, specifications most, most likely go to a smaller number of companies in vertical markets. So healthcare especially, yeah. and, 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 and other vertical markets like mining and so forth. Yeah. A smaller number of companies, but larger impact. And I think I think that's true that, that that it is the going into the to to the vertical industries is is something we're seeing a lot because the the kind of logical next step from maybe general standards like TOGAF I'll, I'll give an example is well okay what does that mean for my industry you know and and so we're seeing we're seeing industry groups work on reference architectures which kind of take the TOGAF standard down to the next level and and brings into play things like regulations and factors in particular industries. So we've got a, a whole load of those along um, across a whole whole range of industries. Um, so I, I'm glad you mentioned both the uh, sort of the horizontal view. It, you know, this standard can apply to anybody. doesn't matter what industry you're in. And then, Richard, you mentioned the vertical view. Uh, I know you guys do some work in, in healthcare, for example, in financial services, right? 
That's right. And last week, last week we, we published a specification for CubeSats used, used by the European Space Agency, NASA, and JXA. Mm, okay. Um, and, and Steve, you're, you're also in the vertical area as well, right? Yeah, yeah. We've done, uh, we, we've done a number of, of different things now. I mean, um, a, a good example is, is what we did in the Federal Avionics Space, the, the Open Group Face Consortium. Yes. Um, Mm. Where we've uh, we've helped transform the way that that uh, systems are, are are procured there. Um, so we've we, we've got that. We've done work in oil and gas through our OSDU forum. Um, the process automation world, our open process automation standard is uh, is very significant. I mean, it, there are a lot of, there are a lot of similarities in the business problem that these groups are trying to to um, solve despite them being very, very different um, industries. And then um, some, an example of um, another one is, is supply chain. I mean, it's on, on everyone's minds at the moment for various reasons, but um, we've got some uh, activity in, uh, in the supply chain space that, that helps deal with um, counterfeit or tainted product, so as an example. I'm glad you mentioned Face Faces is a great example of, of, of interworking between the open group and OMG. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. We've got a First few examples of those over the years, Richard. Right. Yeah. Yes, we have, unfortunately and unfortunately. Yes. <laughs> so you have a cooperative relationship? <laughs> yes. Yeah, very, very yes. So. yes, we do. And I mean, yeah, there are some specifics around, uh, around the work that's going on in the Face Consortium and also around in the architecture space between, uh, you know, um, TOGAF and, uh, and the UAF. Um, so okay. Yeah. Um, so w- what do we say to people who think that standards might slow them down or somehow inhibit their, their, uh, the organization's agility? That's the most common thing I hear, that standards stop innovation. And that couldn't be further from the truth. Standards are the greatest force for innovation in the world today. My, my favorite example is GCBIP, standardized in the 1970s. It, it resulted in the, in the web standard in 1995 and many other standards, as MTV and so forth. And so standards are actually creating innovation by creating a level playing field for companies that want to participate in, in the marketplace. Yeah, I absolutely, absolutely agree. It's not, a, it's not an innovation inhibitor. It's, it's quite the opposite. It, um, when when a, when a, when there isn't a standard and there's a void, you, you, you tend to have this this dominance by either one player or certain key players, and the standard actually opens up the market. It gives customers more choice. It gives new players an opportunity to enter that market, and provide provide quite frankly probably better solutions than uh, than getting everything from one player. So it's it's absolutely not an inhibitor to innovation. It's the the opposite of as Richard said. That, that's good. Uh, that's good for everybody to hear. Um, so, what would a world without any of these standards look like then? If you can imagine, for example, the power plug standard in the United States, two vertical, two vertical lines. If there was no standard, there's no standard way to plug the plug your devices into the, into the wall. That that that's 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 the world without standards. Yeah, mm. okay. it's absolutely. It's it it's it's. The world without standard, it's one that we've seen and continue to see in certain places that where there are no standards, and uh, and it's uh, it's it's not a great world, a great world to be in. I mean, I think what standards bring is 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 choice and you know interoperability. And as I said earlier, we take these things kind of for granted sometimes when we travel and we go plug in. But yeah, all sorts of things. I mean, you know, specific. Standards around the size of, of threads for plumbing and things like that. It's all just none of this stuff would work if it wasn't for standards. They don't take it for granted in Brazil. There are certain parts of Brazil where, where there are plugs of different types in the wall on the wall. Right. Your device may be plugged in and maybe not plugged in. Right. Wow. Well, there's an example. <laughs> that, that's good to know. <laughs> when, I, when I travel down there, how many different plugs I'll have to take down there. Um, okay, so, so yeah, they, they, uh, they enhance innovation, and we certainly don't want to have a world without them. Uh, so uh, your organizations uh, engage other companies. They, uh, they come in and join your organizations in, in a membership structure. Is that, is that right? Um, either one of you can start. 
Yeah, that's that, that, that's that's uh, exactly how it works at, at the open group. They join um, to participate in either a, a particular work activity. We we have what we call forums and work groups, which are the bodies that that actually work on the on the standards. And they they might join one, they might join two or three, or they might decide to uh, uh, join a, a higher level of membership and participate in pretty much everything we do. Um, so that's uh, that's that's the model. Um, and uh, and once they're in, we uh, we do our best to make sure that they get uh, that. Well, firstly, that the members do the work because they're the ones that bring the subject matter expertise. Um, but also that they get they get value from uh, from doing that work through a you know tried and tested set of uh, processes and procedures. Very similar to OMG. The uh, companies companies join the, the OMG standards development organization. Whether they join the Digital Twin Consortium, whether they join the Industry IoT Consortium, whether they join the Consortium of Varieties, Information and Social Quality, and participating in all the activities within the, within the easy group. Hmm. Okay, that's uh, yeah, yeah, that's great. And in fact, um, we have people in your organizations who, in the real world, they compete against each other, right? But in yeah. in, in your organizations, they work together. Yeah. Yeah. It's in your interest to work together to create a standard. To create a standard is used by more than one company. Yeah, yeah, that's what we uh, we tend to do. See that. Um, so I'm gonna just take a, a quick break here. We'll come back and talk some more about your your members in those organizations. You're listening to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing industry standards, why your organization should care. With my guests Steve Nunn and Dr. Richard Soley, we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having trouble articulating your strategic objectives? Not sure if your program investments are aligned to your strategic vision? Wondering why your six, seven, and eight-figure program investments seem to evaporate into thin air, even as your business teams are left to add more people, take on more risk, and take heat from unhappy customers? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich can help ensure that your strategic objectives translate into sustainable, successful investments. For more information, visit our website at tacticalstrategygroup.com. Business news and discussions are always changing. In order to stay ahead of the game, sometimes you need to be a follower. You can follow the Voice America Business Channel on Twitter at VoiceAMBusiness. Again, that's at VoiceAMBusiness. And stay current. Your organization is spending seven, eight, or even nine figures annually on transformation programs. And you're questioning the bottom line business value. You were told not to worry. We've engaged the best system integrators, and they said all is well. Has your IT organization become a black box where money goes in, but nothing comes out? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich has seen every side of this story, from upfront happy talk to painful post-mortems. Find out what's really going on. Visit tacticalstrategygroup.com and ask about TSG's Transformation Oversight Service. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the North Star. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. That's wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. Now, back to the North Star. Here again is William Ulrich. Welcome back to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing industry standards, why your organization should care with my guests, Steve Nunn and Dr. Richard Soley. Uh, before the break, we were talking about your, uh, your members and your, mem- your member structure. And I think that's interesting or should be interesting to people because it's, it's a very different structure. So maybe you can talk a little bit about uh, uh, your typical member profile? Um. It varies, in OMG's case anyway, uh, it varies quite a bit. Mm-hmm. From um, startups, startup companies that pay nothing to join for the first year to uh, companies that pay quite a bit, uh, $75,000 to participate in, in everything that we do. So the average is about five to, five to $10,000. 
we were frequently asked why do we have memberships that cost nothing and then is i have expenses face-to-face meetings for example during non-covid times and uh and 50 people that are working in various parts of the consortium i think the same is for steve yeah yeah absolutely it's a it's a a, a paid membership structure at, at different levels um depending on the areas of interest of the of the member or potential member um, and the size of the organization, whether they're customer side or, or supplier side. And I think that that's a key point, which we try to get a real balance of, of customers and suppliers. Um, and where the, where the magic happens in our case, certainly in, uh, in the recent years, is where we've got a strong uh, customer base of members who, who have this business problem to solve in, in collaboration with each other. And that... Uh, that gets the suppliers to wake up and take notice of it because there's a lot of uh, you know a lot of pull there for for that type of thing. But so I don't think we necessarily have a a typical member. Much like like Richard said, it's kind of all over the place. Small small kind of one person consultancies up to you know big government uh, organisations and and major commercials. But uh, what they have in common is the intent, at least when they join to. To collaborate to uh, to to solve some problems, or at least get the um, uh, if they're not as active as some, at least get the benefit of the work that goes in, and and uh, be able to uh, to 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 help solve their problems that way. There's a really, really good example: uh, the U.S. U.S. military organizations participating in the Open Group and the OMG. Hmm. Um, the Naval Surface Weapons Center and the Air Force Research Laboratory participate in just about everything the OMG does. Yeah. And I think they, they participate in FACE as well. Yes, they do. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, I, I, I've noticed that myself. I, I, I think that the, um, the uh, military uh, sees and understands the need for standard, standards uh, out there, maybe more than some of the other organizations. You have a, a good base of, uh, of software uh, companies in, in both your organizations. Is that right? Oh, very much, very much so. So in many of the organizations, uh, the fastest to see the value of standards to, to bring down the cost of the IT. It's a little bit, it takes a little bit longer for companies that companies than the U.S. U.S. government. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, you know it, it, it it's true for us too. I, I'd say um, there are of, of the more recent groups that have formed. There's maybe less less actually less emphasis on straight technology standards in, involving those vendors and more on. Um, Kind of, uh, I've said, used this expression before, solving business problems. But it's it's more uh, a specific um, business need that they have that they need to solve. And what we're seeing increasingly is this um, desire to 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 work on the standard, yes, but maybe have um, a, a source code, uh, you know, an open source um, project that goes as part of this or in line that that helps produce some usable code and some. Um, uh, a, a, either a reference implementation or or something that actually inst- instantiates the standard and gets people going and, and going because it's it's vital that these standards get picked up and used. Otherwise, then there's no point in creating them. It's a really good, a really good uh, that you brought up open source because open source has become a, a favorite way to create open standards. Yeah, and both at OMG and Open Group. Yeah. So one of the things I see is. Um, and, and, and guess in my sort of circle of field is um, so tool vendors come in and they've got 16 ways of doing something. Another tool vendor comes in, they got 16 other ways of doing it. And there's no consistency. And I see that uh, a lot of the organizations I work with, a lot of, you know, cross industries, they're, they're, they're sort of stuck in trying to figure out, you know, which one of these things are the best. And, you know, my, my, my response is, well, which one's aligning to, to a particular standard, right? And that's a messaging that you want to get out there for people. It creates a larger market for the for that standard for that for that approach to, to solving problems, but it also creates a lower switching costs for companies that want to use they want to use a standard. 
Absolutely. In fact, uh, there's an interoperability um, for, for people out there. That means, you know, you can use multiple tools to do some of the same things that, that, that your standards offer, uh, Richard, um, some of the base standards from OMG, uh, where if I have a couple of different tools adhering to one of your standards, uh, I can move back and forth between those. Is that, is that accurate? Yeah, can you imagine a world in which, in which the, the devices can be plugged into the can't be plugged into the wall? No, of course not. If you ever tried to plug something in in a foreign country, you've discovered that the, that different countries use different 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 analysis centers. We try to solve that problem for software. Right, and then um, and then the uh, the you know these companies should be able to then compete on on all the bells and whistles that they put on top of it all. There's plenty of opportunity to compete. Yeah. Plenty of opportunity to compete. Absolutely. And on price, on quality, on and on support. There's plenty of opportunity. New features and so forth. And it, it's on that point, Bill. If I may, it's it's, it's interesting that that when we've got uh, one of the things that we've done in on a standard ways. Um, that's always been an important part of our history is, is certification where we've created a, a kind of a standard um, certification for, for example, what it means to be uh, an enterprise architect, a practicing, practicing one. Um, it's very, it was very much at the beginning, like the example you described with the tools vendors, but in this case, it was large organizations with professions programs. We've got, we know what it means to be an architect. Or we know what it means to be an architect. When you bring them together and they're prepared to, to share um, their programs, what we find typically is there's a huge overlap. As, as Richard said, there's, there's opportunities to compete, but there's a huge overlap between what they're actually doing. And that provides typically a, a good start as to what might be standardized. And then you still have your, your secret source or your bells and whistles, however you want to describe it, on top of those standards. And you know the same goes for... For other types of standards too, there's there's often more commonality than people think when once they're prepared to share. I'm glad you brought certification. The certification of human abilities, in our case of SysML, BBM, UML, and so forth, is a very important part of standards. Where it creates people that are that are plug compatible with software. Yeah. So you both offer quite a number of certifications. Is that right? Yes, it is right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's correct. I mean, it's uh, we 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 started our certifications back in the uh, connected with the Unix systems, so, so kind of product certification and conformance with it with the standard. And nowadays, um, uh, we we've gone into other types of, uh, of of certification activities, different different styles of program depending on what the need is. Um, some is highly tested, and 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 others is. Uh, more about taking the exam. So our people certification program for for TOGAF and our Archimate standard and IT for IT and OpenFair, a few others, they are um, th they are basically do some training either through a course or self study and then taking it take an exam and you and you become certified. Um, and that all helps build the ecosystem around the standards and the and the market take up of the standards. So you've got people there that you know um are versed in in those particular standards it's so exciting, it's, it's exciting actually certification has turned to turn the corner in the last years you can now take certification tests at home yeah over zoom yes yeah uh i i have seen that myself and uh, yeah. i think people were quite pleased about that yeah and that was you know to be honest that was that was key to us during the uh the earlier days of the pandemic and the lockdowns because when exam centers are closed people can't get their certifications and that side of the business closes down and the companies that are putting these people through training and certification they want their people certified so being able to do that from home is a huge uh, a huge development and uh, just makes it easier since we're all working from home anyway yeah right exactly. So there's a message out there then for these organizations when you're uh, either you're advancing your own people or you're bringing new people in, uh, we should look for certifications in certain areas and certain fields, right? Yeah. If you don't have certification, you don't have, you don't have guarantee that the people are compatible with software. Right. So yeah. pe people interoperability, I guess. Uh, there's there's, there's the people interoperability that's important and it, and it does, it does give 
people who are hiring a greater level of confidence and that you know what you're doing. And, and sometimes, I mean, an example in the, to do with the TOGAF standard, we know of organizations that are training people in TOGAF, not necessarily because they want them to implement an enterprise architecture based on this, but they're using it to give a common terminology across the organization. I mean, it could be, it could be as simple as that. There are, there are different reasons why people, why organizations want their people trained, but, um, but it does provide some kind of people interoperability, as you say. Um, well, people interoperability is uh, in both cases. Number one, it, it, it tells the company that they can send guarantees from people, but it also tells the people that they, that they have, that they, they can battle with many companies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That 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 is important. Um, so, in terms of your collaborations, and you've already described how, how you work together. Are there other organizations you you work with or partner with in different areas? We have sixty some liaisons with OMG going back thirty years. Okay. So, uh, and I think the same is true of the Open Group. So, we work together with Asia and healthcare centers, for example. Mm. We work together with uh, with um, other other organizations than vertical and horizontal centers. I know one thing, Richard, is you have a relationship, I believe, uh, you, you've been able to fast track some of your standards through ISO. Is that accurate? That is accurate. That is, since 1989. For over 30 years, we've been doing that with ISO and, and with ITU. Yeah. And that's, uh, that's true for us too, Bill. It's, it's, uh, we have something through ISO IEC JTC one, which is called a pass submitter or publicly available, <coughs> excuse me, publicly available specification submitter status that allows that where where it's appropriate. Um, not every standard that that OMG or the Open Group creates needs to become a, a formal international standard. But where there's a where there's a need or where there's people that want to do that, then that's an option that's available to both of us. Yeah. That's excellent. We, we've, um, found two, yeah. we've found the two governments, especially Denmark and Japan, require standards to be available from ISO. Yeah. So, uh, as necessary, we pump up our standards through, through ISO standards. <laughs> the result means you can buy the standard from ISO for 320 euros, or if you want, you can get it for free from the OMG website. <laughs> um, you you, uh, you mentioned earlier that your uh, your time to market tends to be better than some of these other organizations. Is uh, if I went into ISO and tried to build a standard, is, is that a long effort, long time effort? ISO average standardization is seven years. Mm -hmm. So the OMG standardization is average two years. So, so two years plus the ISO standardization of an OMG standard is typically faster than ISO standard by, by itself. Right. Okay. And I think I, I think um, part of what helps uh, industry groups such as such as ours, um, that, you know, OMG and the Open Group is is this collaboration. The, the mm -hmm. point that you that you asked about. You know, we 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 tend to. Um, uh, not reinvent the wheel. There's enough. There's enough standards work to be going on that you don't need to reinvent the wheel. You can take what's there and point to it. And we call we refer to that as as kind of creating a standard of standards. So you you you, you don't work on stuff that's already been done. You you endorse it maybe or you reference it. But the key is not to not really to have us duplicating work. I mean, we have uh, OMG and the Open Group share some some membership and. Um, mm -hmm. There, obviously, there are different parts of organization, large organizations that are interested in different things, but nobody needs to be duplicating what somebody else is doing. It's more a question of collaborating um, and, uh, and getting involved that way. And, um, you know, we've, we've got a few examples uh, over the years between our organizations, and we have many others, particularly as we get into the industry-specific things. There are incumbent organizations there who have some very relevant standards that we want to embrace, but we need to add something to or fill the gaps or create something that brings them together cohesively. I totally agree. In fact, we have, a, we have an organization called our Architecture Board, which is charged with ensuring that standards that we create don't, don't obviate the, the need for standards from other standards organizations, whether they're, whether they're formal standards organizations like ISO and ITU or informal organizations like Health Level 7. 
Yeah, and and I know that there's there's a lot of existing standards that people are currently working on um, maintaining and making sure they stay current. Is that right? Uh, my favorite example is Cobra, which came out in 1990, and the latest Cobra standard is worked on last week. Mm. Right. Yeah, and it's 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 true that the standards once published, they don't just necessarily survive forever. The world the world changes, right. technology changes, and they need to be uh, need to be evolved and kept up to date. Uh, but importantly with standards it needs to be done in a way that doesn't affect the stability of the standard you know you don't wholesale change a standard you you uh, you adopt and adapt uh, what what you need to to keep it relevant to to today's circumstances for example corporate standard originally supported languages that were in 1990 but last week the, the, we we worked on a python standard mm. using cobra because people care about python now yeah, that, that's great. Uh, when we come back, I want to get a little more into the process of creating these things and, and how people work together. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. You're listening to The North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing industry standards, why your organization should care with my guests, Steve Nunn and Dr. Richard Sully. And we'll be right back after a short break. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you having trouble articulating your strategic objectives? Not sure if your program investments are aligned to your strategic vision? Wondering why your six, seven, and eight-figure program investments seem to evaporate into thin air, even as your business teams are left to add more people, take on more risk, and take heat from unhappy customers? Tactical Strategy Group's William Ulrich can help ensure that your strategic objectives translate into sustainable, successful investments. For more information, visit our website at tacticalstrategygroup.com. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Looking to enhance your business architecture skills, become a certified business architect, or align your team to a common approach? Check out Business Architecture Associates. Industry pioneers and co-founders Wendy Keene and William Ulrich have trained thousands of business professionals, turning beginners into practitioners and practitioners into experts. BAA offers in-house and public business architecture training for individuals and organizations with more than 20 courses to choose from, including the Business Architecture Bootcamp, popular mini-course series, and custom workshops. BAA can create a learning path for you and your organization. Why learn from the rest when you can learn from the best? Check out BAA's course offerings at businessarchitectureassociates.com. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the North Star. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. That's wmmulrich at tsgconsultinginc.com. Now, back to the North Star. Here again is William Ulrich. Welcome back to the North Star. I'm William Ulrich. We're discussing industry standards, why your organization should care with my guests, Steve Nunn and Dr. Richard Soley. So uh, before break, we were just getting into a little bit about how uh, these members work together. Um, maybe you, you can tell us about, and I know there's not probably a tip, typical approach, but um, a little bit about the, the process of going, uh, of what members could expect when they build a standard or work on a standard. Yeah, I mean, cert- certainly um, in our case at the Open Group, there's a there's a fairly fairly consistent uh, uh, approach, which is um, we we look at uh, I guess I'd call it an end to end life cycle approach. So we we start, as I say, with um, a, usually a small group of organisations who who share a, a problem that they want to tackle, and they think standardisation may or may not be a way to help. Um, 
we we kind of help them capture the issues and and feedback uh, their comments into the system that then we typically see okay well there's critical mass here there's enough organizations that want to get involved who share that problem they work on a standard um we have uh what we call the open group standards process it's is tried and tested over the years. It's a deterministic process that will get you to an end point um, to, our, to our earlier comments about how long some of the formal standards can take. This is much quicker. And then uh, typically we try to build, uh, we certainly consider all the options for certification because that's a way of giving the standards some teeth and making it meaningful and, and uh, um, procurable in the marketplace in, in often cases. Um, and then, of course, we go into um, market adoption, you know, getting, getting it promoted, getting case studies, getting people talking about it. That's, that's a key part of it. And then, as we were saying just before the break, you, you, you can't stop there. You have to then keep on top of what changes and what, what may need to affect the standard in that case, all the while making sure that you don't um, uh, cut off the people who've embraced the standard um, by making too radical a change. That's very similar to OMG. There's a well-defined process for for that looks looks very formal, but takes about two years, average of about two years. And the architecture board, which is elected from from the vertical and the horizontal halves of OMG, decides whether the whether it's standard in the well created in a marketplace, and and once the standard is created. There's a revision desk, finalization task force and a revision task force, which ensures that there's any, any, any revisions follow, follow the standardized creative certification and testing that happens immediately afterwards. So there's a formal process. And uh, what, that, what that creates is a high trust environment for creating centers working together. I think that's a great point, but if I may, the, yeah. the, the, the trust word is really important. I mean, having having an organization uh, like OMG, like the Open Group, that, that has this process that's tried and tested is is really important. You, you can't get that with just getting an, a group of organizations together without that uh, underlying entity that's there. Um, and I think these, these processes have been there for a while now, and they've, they've proved themselves. And... One of the things we've seen recently, I alluded to the to the interest in source code to develop open standards. And one of the things we've we've um, been working on is something called standards as code, where effectively the the it, it provides a way for members to collaborate, kind of in an agile way, with con- continuous automated build platform for creating um, code that that essentially is the standard. And that's that's something we're seeing on the increase. So it's not instead of the traditional processes, it's kind of an adjunct to. Um, and you you use, uh, typically our, our groups use both, but they, uh, they, they may use more of one and less of another at a different place in the standard life cycle. There's the an OMG, element. The OMG process is codified in a document called OMG policies and procedures. Which itself is maintained and changes over time, but there's a formal process for updating the policies and procedures document as well. There's an element, having been involved in in both of your processes, there's an element of I guess what I'd call forced collaboration. But um, you know, as as uh, as as it goes, um, and and you know, you can be when you're in the middle of it. Sometimes it's hard to see. But that that can end up with a better standard at the end of the day. Is that is that a fair statement? I think that no matter what, you could point at any of our centers, plus these 250 centers over 30 years. And in every case, the standard as adopted is better than any of the, the original proposals that were, that were presented. Yeah, and I, I will admit that that's true, even though uh, I always think that stuff we submit is the best. But uh, and and then it gets better, <laughs> right? What you submit is the best, guaranteed. Yeah, 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 and it's true. I mean, the the, the uh, I like the term forced collaboration. It's it's uh, it, I'd say yes. It it's it's guided collaboration. It, it's committing to the process. It's trust in the process and creating standards where where different organizations 
contribute different ideas that, that may or may not become part of a standard. It's all about kind of making the case, um, influencing. It's about convincing others for a different different point of view. And you know, we do we do that through through consensus um, in the open group. But it, it takes uh, it's it's one of the things that the that the open group staff bring in. It's that the, the members have the subject matter expertise and know what they want to achieve. Where the staff come in is to guide them through that process and and stop those differences of opinion becoming negative and turn them into uh, okay we we all get to a better end uh, end result when we when we collaborate and we start to build the trust and I think you know I'll, I'll be honest a, a side comment um, one of the impacts of the pandemic that we're still going through is the 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 lack of ability for people to get together face-to-face to work on standards. And I think in the standards world, that that is a problem. Um, you, you know, that, that willingness to give, uh, to, to give on certain things and to compromise comes from a largely, we're all humans, it comes from a human relationship or a trust in somebody that you've met, you may have had dinner with or whatever. You know, oh, Richard's a good guy. I can, yeah, I can see where he's coming from. You don't you don't get that virtually, and I think we're we're seeing um, we're 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 seeing a, a definite desire in the membership to uh, to get back together to, to to fix some of those things when, of course, it's safe to do so. But it's it's a significant the human element can't be um, human relationship element can't be underestimated. I totally agree. The creating a high trust environment is an important part of the important part of the important part of OMG. And the face-to-face meetings are an important way of creating a high-trust environment. And for the last two years, it's been difficult to meet face-to-face. Yeah, and I've in the evenings at, at both of your events, I, I can tell you that I've I've been dragged off to go sit in some huddle over in a hotel, you know, some big hotel lobby or or the lounge area, or, you know, the last open group one I went to, I got dragged off to some suite to talk to some group of people at, at like, you know, seven o'clock or seven 30 at night. And I was like, and, 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 and you're right that that's where people can engage. And I'm hoping that you, you both can get your, your, uh, your organizations um, back, uh, you know, at least partially, uh, if not entirely uh, in person at some point in time. Yeah. We're, we're working quarterly. And last week we were supposed to meet in San Francisco, but we, we had to meet online instead. We're going to try again in Long Beach in December. And I'm going to try to go to that. And how about you, uh, Steve? What have you seen uh, as far as... Yeah, your, we've got a... We've, we've got a... Uh, again, we, our major ones are, are quarterly. We have different events for, for some of the individual forums or consortia, but we... Our, our next quarterly one is due to be at the end of this month, which we've decided to do virtually. We're actually doing something a little different and hosting several hours at different locations around the world. So it's kind of like a go around the globe kind of uh, effort. Um, but our first one where we expect to have at least a, a face-to-face element of it for a, for a significant um, or a major quarterly of the open group, it will be the end of January. Um, um, next year in uh, in London, where we're shooting oh. for. Um, but some of our domestic groups here in the US uh, on the on the military side, our, our face consortium and social consortium, they are planning to meet face to face over the course of November and December. Um, okay. So we'll. It's, it's, worth, it's worth mentioning that one way that we collaborate with the Open Group at OMG is to, to, to book a book a single hotel for two weeks. Yes. Mm. Partially for Roman or partially for OMG. Yeah. That's an idea. That would save me on my travels. Yeah. Um, so, so let's talk about the organizations who um, maybe aren't involved in standards work, but maybe should be getting involved. Uh, do you have some, uh, what kind of messaging would we have for those folks in terms of benefits, opportunities? I think one of the one of the biggest opportunity areas for for standards activity and for organizations to get in standards is where there's a where there's a problem where there's a uh, something that you're trying to achieve um and it's bigger than just your organization um, and you know a, a, an example i would i would give in our case is back to the uh, the open process automation standard where we had a a company uh, an oil company, in this case ExxonMobil, who 
uh, saw an end-of-life situation for their very significant um, process control systems. And uh, they'd had in, had them in place for, you know, 25 years maybe, um, when all sorts of things were different. Cybersecurity wasn't a thing, you know. It, they just didn't want the next generation of those systems to be built the same way from one vendor and, and supply. They wanted it built on open standards and, and an open architecture approach. And they realized quite quickly, they came to us and then we said, okay, well, this is, if you've got this problem, other oil companies have this problem. And we validated that. And then it was, well, it's not just oil companies, it's, it's utilities companies, uh, pharmaceutical, pulp and paper, food and beverage, all these industries that use similar types of um, similar types of systems, they all have this problem. And so that's how that group came together and they're, they're doing some great work. But it was, the, it was the recognition that this is a shared problem and there should be a shared solution as well. Um, okay, and when you've got that... Well, yeah. Likewise, there are companies that, that, that are forced to buy from a certain vendor, whether it's an electric mm. or Tachi or, or, some, or, or what have you. And they would like to be able to buy from mobile vendors, which requires a standard to be in place. Yeah. 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 And I, I always tell people, if you're frustrated about it, get involved, you know, the, the, figure out how you can get your organization to join because, uh, you know, and uh, is it easy to join up as, you know, if I'm, you know, I'll throw one out, you know, if I'm Wells Fargo, um, can I figure out how to do that pretty easily on your, on your site or working with you? There's a website and follow form. Takes five minutes. Yeah, yeah. Same. It's a, just go to go to the website and and you can sign up. And I think, I think that's that's if you're joining an existing group. I think if you if you have an idea that maybe there's a problem that needs work on that that might might be done through standards, then then coming to us and saying what the what what the problem is, we can help organizations like that think through formation issues, options, whether it's done here, done somewhere else, and start to build a kind of coalition of the willing to uh, to work on this stuff. Yeah. That's great. So uh, unfortunately, we're near the end of our, our show today. Uh, my guests today have been Steve Nunn from the Open Group and Dr. Richard Soley from OMG. We've been discussing industry standards, why your organization should care, and hopefully that's clearer now for you, all of you. You can t- contact Steve uh, via his email at s.nun, that's N-U-N-N, at opengroup.org or at Open Group's website, opengroup.com. Um, you can contact Richard via his email at solely, that's S-O-L-E-Y, at omg.org or at OMG's website, uh, omg.org. You can find links to material related to our discussion today on the North Star Radio Show page of my website, tacticalstrategygroup.com. Thank you, gentlemen, for uh, your time today. Really appreciated it. And thanks, Bill. Thanks, thanks for the you. opportunity. Uh, my Thank topic... Uh, Thanks. My topic next week is the rise and fall of software recipes. I'll be discussing some sensitive topics related to your development team with my guest, Darius Blasbond. You've been listening to The North Star. I'm your host, William Ulrich. You can contact me by email, LinkedIn, or at my website. Thanks for joining me today. I'll talk to you all next week. Thank you for tuning in this week to The North Star. Please join host William Ulrich for another edition of the program next Thursday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll continue our discussion on strategy execution then. 